Nehemiah chapter 2. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Man, insufficient. It is so sufficient for us. You say, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for grace. I know where I would be. I'd be lost, dying, and going to hell. I'm saved today because of grace. I'm redeemed today because of grace. I'm forgiven today because of God's grace. You say, preacher, what's grace? It's unmerited favor. That means you're given something that you're not worthy of. Let me tell you something. God's given us a lot that we don't deserve. Isn't He good for it? Can somebody amen that? Isn't He good for it? He's a good God that has supplied all the grace and bestowed all the grace upon our life. Let's praise Him every day for what He's done. It is good to be in God's house. We are reaching out this month, encouraging everybody to come to Sunday school, kind of an outreach. Uh, we have a goal of 200. We come real close last week of 198. Uh, so close, some people demanding recounts. I said, man, it's enough all this recounting mess. It's just 198 is good. And uh, I think we had 184 this morning. What a blessing. We're almost there. Uh, if you don't know, the goal is if we get there, I'm going to wear a Razorback shirt the first Sunday of February to preach in. And you say, well, that's not that big of a deal. Meet my parents, okay? And meet the people who raised me. As an LSU fan, that's a big deal, okay? You don't wear Razorback shirts. But it's all for fun, but at the end of the day, it's all for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. We're just trying to get everybody excited about learning about Jesus. I'm glad that we have His Word this morning. And I'm glad we have one another to come together and learn more about Him. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Nehemiah chapter 2, kind of lengthy reading this morning, but please follow along. Nehemiah 2 verse 1. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of our Texas, the king, that wine was before him, and I took the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should... Not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it pleased the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and will thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it pleased the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he may give the timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. I love that. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat and the Hornite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem. I was there three days, and I rose in the night. 
I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and the dragon port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then I went up to the up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. And I ask you, Lord, to bless the reading of your word. And I ask you, Lord, to open our hearts this morning. And, Lord, I need your touch. Lord, I need a touch from heaven today. Lord, I want to preach full of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to preach what I think or what I think should come or what I think should be. Lord, I want to preach your will and your will alone. Lord, as your people today, we need your will in our life. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to this, melt our hearts this morning to your word. Lord, touch us all. And Lord, I pray above all that if there's one person that's not saved, I pray they would humble themselves before you today. And you would send that sweet Holy Spirit to break them down this morning. And they would repent of their sins and be saved today. Lord, I pray that souls would be saved in this place. Lord, I pray the save will be drawn closer to you. To you be all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you on this subject this morning. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. Last week we began a study on the book of Nehemiah. And we were in chapter 1 and we looked at the vision that Nehemiah had. We know that God was calling him to build the wall of Jerusalem. But before he called him to build the wall, he gave him this vision. And he had this vision to go and to build this. And uh, he also had a burden. And we talked about the burden that God put upon the heart of Nehemiah. Then we talked about the prayer of Nehemiah. And God wanted to do great things. But we talked about the beginning of great things. And there is a place and time in our life as God's people where we need to get a vision of God's work. We need to get a burden for God's work. And when we receive that vision and we receive that conviction, we are to fall down just like Nehemiah did and put it back in the hands of the Lord and say, God, here it is. You take it, you bless it, you multiply it, you do with it as you'd have it to do. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. And child of God, I want you to know we need a vision. I want you to know that we need to pray. 
But there comes a time in everybody's life that we pray and we have a vision and we seek the Lord and we have a burden and we have a conviction. But there is a time that God's people have to get to work. There's a time that we take the vision God has given us and we put it into effect. We apply what God has told us to do. And I am the worst this morning, and I will admit that before everybody, that when God tells me to do something, sometimes I want to spend more time praying and thinking and and planning and all of this than actually getting up and doing the work. Let me tell you something. An old man told me one time, said, son, you can take a shovel and you can go and you can stand on that shovel and you can pray all day, God, dig this hole. God, dig this hole. And let me tell you something. God will give you the strength to dig that hole. God will give you the patience to dig that hole. But eventually you're going to have to pick that shovel up and you're going to have to go to work. And as God's people... Sometimes we have trouble putting our plans and our visions that God has given us into action. Just like last week or the the first of the year, we make all these resolutions and we talk about what we want to do and we talk about what we need to do. But do we ever do them? Do we ever get to work? And today in this chapter, we see that God's beginning the work. And the work is starting to be done. He worked in the heart of Nehemiah. And He's moving in His life. And He's fixing to do things that's amazing. Let me tell you something. It's great to be inside of the will of God today. It's great to get inside of His will and work for the Lord. And see what God can do. Let me tell you something. God can do great things. God can do great things. James chapter 2 and verse 18 says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Let me tell you something. We have faith in the Lord, don't we? Well, if we have faith in God and we have faith in the vision, we have faith in the burden that He's placed on our hearts, then it's going to take a little work. And we've got to put our faith in action. And I think sometimes that's where we fall short as God's people, is putting our faith in action. Getting to work for the Lord. Now I want you to notice the first thing about this chapter. Number one, God begins to open doors. God begins to open doors. When the work begins, I love this, the first one that moves was not Nehemiah, it was the Lord. And let me tell you something, when God lays a burden on your heart, understand this, that before you ever get to work, God has already gotten to work. And before you ever start doing what God's called you to do, He's already opened doors down the road for you. And God is preparing your work, and He's getting you ready, and He's opening the doors and getting things in place. And let me tell you something, when it comes to Nehemiah, and it comes to building the wall, God God had it all figured out, okay? He had it all planned, but Nehemiah had to get in God's will. Notice this with me. If you're with me, say Amen. Notice what it said in verse 1, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of our taxes, the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Here is Nehemiah in the palace with the king. An Israelite, we know this is a Persian king. The Persians have taken over from Babylon. And God has placed Nehemiah in the king's palace. Notice this, that before God ever started getting all of this going, God put Nehemiah in the right place. 
Understand that it wasn't a coincidence that he was living in the palace. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't by luck. God's people, we got to quit talking about luck and coincidence. And understand there's a sovereign God with a sovereign plan. And understand that things don't happen by accident. God knows what He's doing. God has a permissive will. God has a perfect will. God has a sovereign will. Understand this about the will of God. When God designs something, let me tell you something. He's an engineer. And He's an architect out of this world. And He can design things that we don't even understand. And when He designs things sometimes, that's just how it's going to be. Because He's God. You say, well, how come He gets to do that? Because He's God. (laughs) He's the Creator of the universe. Hey, if you make everything, you own everything. Okay? And He made everything in this world. So He's the Creator of the universe. He's over everything. And here He is over everything. And when He wants something to be done, it's done. But there's also that place that us as God's people can ask our Heavenly Father of something. And God can begin to work and to do within His perfect sovereign will. And He allows that permissive will to come in. And our prayers go before the Lord. And our prayers begin to, I hate to use the word persuade, but begin to ask the Lord of our petitions. And He grants according to His sovereign will. And He allows these things to be done. Within the sovereign will of God, He put Nehemiah in the right place. And he put him in the king's house to live in the king's palace, which was not a normal thing if you were a Jew at that time. To live as a Jew in the king of of Persia in his house. And to be in that place was very unusual. But not also in the place, but in the position. The Bible says he was the cupbearer. That meant that he was one of the most trusted men of the king. You know what he did? He went and he tested all the wine and all the food and everything before. Before the king ate, before the king drank, he trusted Nehemiah to go before him and try everything. And if it was poison, it would have killed Nehemiah. Let me tell you something. You don't just put him by there. You put somebody you trust. He put him there in the right place. He put him there in the right place. And understand, he put him in the right position. Nehemiah was right where God needed him to be. If this wall is going to be built... If this wall is going to be done and Jerusalem's going to rebuild, Nehemiah's going to have to be living in the king's house. And he's going to have to be one of the most trusted men of the king. But notice what he said in verse 4. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? For I prayed to the God of heaven. Notice that when he went before the king, the king said, What's going on? What you need? Now let me tell you something, when the king, and at this time this king was over lots of land. He was over a lot of kingdoms. It was the biggest kingdom in the world at this time. And when the man that is over all of that says, what do you need? That's almost like a genie saying, what can I do for you today? Make that one wish. The king said, you tell me anything, what can I do for you today? Isn't that amazing that God put him in that place in the position for that king to say, Nehemiah, what can I do for you today? What can I do for you? And Nehemiah said, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) He said, there's something I need you to do. There's something I need you to do. But I love what the Scripture says. That when he asked him that he began to begin to pray to God. Didn't he already pray? And now we see him praying again. Did he fall down before the king and start praying? I don't know. I don't know if he was just standing there and within his heart began to talk to the Lord. 
But I believe he was asking God, God, I've got this question, and I need to answer it according to your will. What do we need, God, to build this wall? What can I ask this king for to build this wall? And he just got down and he prayed to the Lord. You remember what the Bible said in chapter 1? That he prayed day and night. God's people, we got to pray things through, don't we? We give up so easy, we quit so easy on the will of God, and we got to keep on going. And he got to that place, and that king said, what can I do? And he stopped and he prayed, Lord, what do we need? What do we need? Let me tell you something. If you're going to fall in God's will, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit of God. And every time something comes along and you don't know the answer to, you better stop and say, God, give me the answer, please. Oh, God, answer this for me. I've been in counselings. I've been in situations. I was scared to death and terrified. I thought, Brother Carl, what am I going to do? And I just stopped and I said, God, here it is. And I said things that was beyond my mind and beyond my heart because God can do things that I cannot And understand that when we're in those times that we don't know what to say or what to do, we need to stop and say, God, what do I need to do here? And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. He stopped and said, God, what do you want? What do we need to build this wall? I want you to go down in verse 8. Go down to verse 8. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Isn't that beautiful? He granted me according to the good hand of God. He went and he asked for things, the materials of this wall. This is what, this is what he's asking for. And he said, I need the materials of this wall. And the Bible said the king granted him. The king granted him according to the good hand of God. And so Nehemiah is writing this. And Nehemiah is not giving glory to this king, but he's giving glory to God. That God is providing for him through this king. And that God is doing this great thing through this king. He didn't give the king credit, he gave God credit. And he asked for this, and the king said, here it is, I'll give you letters, I'll give you anything you need. Go build that wall. Go build that wall. Let me tell you something. When you got the king of all the empire behind you and supporting you, you've got a lot of support. And that's what exactly what Nehemiah needed. But let me tell you something. He didn't just need the king's support. He needed God's support. And notice that he said it was the hand of God. Not the hand of the king, but the hand of God. Let me tell you something. If we're going to fulfill the will of God, we need the hand of God upon us. We need His blessing. We need His touch. We need everything. I've said this a lot here lately, but I'm going to say it again. Everything we touch, I pray that God would cause it to prosper. I pray that we would have His blessing on everything that we're touching and everything we're doing. Isn't that amazing? 184 people coming to Sunday school in a cornfield. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? We've got nearly 300 folks this morning in the middle of a cornfield. You say, what in the world? Our God is good. Our God is not that the preacher is good. It's not that the Sunday school is good. It's not that the deacons are good. It's that God is good. And it's the good hand of God that will prosper us and bless us and give us what we need. Let me tell you something. When the preacher is awful, God's still good. When the deacons are no good, God's still good. When the Sunday school teachers hadn't studied, God is still good. I'm glad He's still good in spite of me. Amen? Man, if it was up to me, this thing would be a pile of rubble today. 
but He's God and He's still on His throne. And it's the good hand of the Lord that has blessed us and is carrying us on. Notice number two. God's opening doors, but the devil begins to fight. Oh, that's something when you start doing what God wants you to do. The devil begins to, to fight. Verse 10. When Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Look over in verse 19. But when Sanballat the Hornite, Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Let me tell you something. It would be nice if every time we got behind God that we had no opposition. It would be so good if everything we did for the Lord was smooth sailing. But it's not. God is powerful and He's got an army. But the devil's got an army too. And the devil does not like the Lord's will. He does not like God's people. He does not want God's will to prosper. Let me tell you something. The very day you get saved, the devil got mad. The very day that you wake up every day and you say, God, here I am, the devil gets mad. And he's going to come and he's going to attack you. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I understand the devil's trying to devour us. Hey, your spouse is not your enemy. Hello? <laughs> your wife's not your enemy, men. Ladies, your husband's not your enemy. Your children aren't your enemy. Let's recognize who the enemy is today. It's the devil. The devil is the enemy. He's the one seeking to devour us. And when we get excited about God, and when we see God's will, and we're about to step out on faith, the devil comes to to devour the plan of God in our life. He comes to devour the obedience that we have in the Lord. He comes to destroy that. That word devour means to consume to destroy. He wants to destroy what God is doing. Let me tell you something. If God is doing something, the devil's not going to allow it to be easy. One time, uh, uh, somebody said something in church while I was in Texas, and uh, they just stirred up a mess. They got up on Sunday morning, just made a mess, said something they shouldn't have uh, been saying. One of my deacons come out, and I was down about it, and he said, Preacher, don't worry. Devil's got to come in on somebody. Devil's got to ride in on somebody's back. And I didn't really understand that. And one Sunday morning I got up and I preached. I flopped. I wasn't inside the will of God that morning. I made the biggest mess. I went to that deacon. I said, Deacon, man, I made a mess this morning. Preacher, I told you he got to ride in on somebody. <laughs> and there's been times that he rode in on me. And there's been times that I brought him right in this church house. And right in this congregation. And I've allowed the devil to use me. Let me tell you something. I'm not forced to be used by him. i got a choice. Listen to me. you got a choice. And you, you don't have to let him ride in on you. You can stop right here and say, devil, that's enough. You ain't coming in on me. We're stopping right here, right now. Let me tell you something. God's trying to get things done. And Satan's trying to devour the plans of God. Do not let the devil ride in on your back. 
Do not let the devil stand in the way. Let me tell you something. Don't get between God and His will today. If God wants something done, God's going to do it with you or without you. And understand today that if you let the devil use you, and you let the devil be the one to stop progress, understand that you are getting in the way of God. Notice what verse 20 says. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. Let me tell you something. Don't get in God's way. Nehemiah said God's going to prosper this thing. God's God's going to do this. I don't need y'all. I've got God. Those three men come up there and they were displeased. And they were grieved. And they laughed them to scorn. (laughs) They can't do that. They can't do that. We voted back in March to build a building. The devil's wanting to destroy it. Enemies arise. Everywhere in God's Word they arise to devour the plan of God. All we need is this. We need God's blessing. And I find this to be so rough in my life. When I'm trying to do something, I want everybody's blessing around me. Make sure they're okay with it. It don't matter if they're okay with it. If God's okay with it. Brother brother Trey, I'm going to pick you out back there. But I love you, but you don't have to stand with me. I don't need Brother Carl J. to stand with me. I need God to stand with me. Well, if we do this, so and, who cares about so-and-so? I care about Jesus. And let's quit worrying about so-and-so and what this one says and that one says. If God says it, by golly, let's get behind Him. Let's follow Him. Let's get with Him. Because, hey, if He's behind it, we're going to prosper. And everybody else stands in the way. God's going to take care of them. And I've learned this. Brother Don McCormick taught me in seminary. Those people get in the way. You be careful. God has a way of taking care of those folks. And I've learned this. Don't stand in God's way. You're putting yourself in a very dangerous position because there's one thing you can guarantee this. God's work's going to prosper with you or without you. Brother Don used to tell me all the time, I'd come in there, oh, Brother Don, poor me. Oh, Brother Don, the church this, the church that. No. Brother Don said, you dummy. Quit your crying, you baby. Get up. It ain't your church. It's the Lord's church. That church was there before you got there. It'll be there when you leave. God's got this. God's going to cause us to prosper. Man, I'm glad I'm behind the Lord. Uh, every day we got to wake up and say, God, here it is. Here it is. Don't stand in this way. Now notice this last point, number three. God's people begin to prepare. In verse 11, the Bible says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. He goes out with a small group and he begins to look and he begins to plan. We voted back in March to build a building, and here we are ten months later, and we're planning. Don't you hate the planning stage? Isn't it hard, and isn't it discouraging? Isn't it tough to be in that planning stage? But he did exactly what God called him to do. He said, you go out and you look at what needs to be done. And I believe he took a tally of everything that he needed to do. And he took time to prepare so that everything, when they got to work, would be done properly. This isn't anybody's work. This is God's work. And if we're going to do God's work, it needs to be done right. Y'all hear that? Right. Everything in our life that we do for the Lord needs to be right. 
Well, if I go to church, ain't that good enough? <laughs> isn't that what we say? Well, if we do it in the name of Jesus, it's, it's good enough. You ever read the story of Cain and Abel? That story tells me just giving your, what you think's right ain't good enough. Let me tell you something. God deserves our best today. God deserves our 100%. I want you to notice this. He went out and He planned. And He began to plan all of these things. But notice verse 17. It says, Then I said unto them, Ye see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more of reproach. He planned the construction, and then He went before the people and revealed the plan to the people. People didn't even know what was going on. They didn't know that God was moving in the heart of this man. In fact, in some of these verses before it, it says that nobody knew what was going on. The rulers, the priests, all these people didn't know what was going on. God was moving in this man's heart, and He ain't even told the church body yet. He ain't even told church. God was working in this man's heart and in this life, and then He comes here and He says, listen, here's the plan. This is what God's revealing. This is what God is showing. This is what God is doing. And He revealed the plan to God's people. I want you to notice this in verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of God which was good upon me. I told them of the hand of God which was good upon me. I told them what God had done. I told them how God had opened doors. I told them how I had these these papers to get all of this construction materials. I told them how everything was falling into place and how God was opening doors. I told them how good God was and that God was behind it. And I love how He did it. He didn't go and say, listen people, I want a wall built. He went to them and said, this is what God wants. And He said, this is what God has been doing to get us to this place to start building. When I came here in March, I'll never forget the rest of my days. We were sitting here and we're full. Y'all were talking before I come here about building. And I'll never forget going to the hog hut in town. And me and Trey's in there. Well, what are we going to do? How are we going to build? Well, we, there, there's no way. We're out of land. We're out of this. We're out of that. Jack Shell, I had no idea who Jack Shell was. We prayed right there at that dinner table. I walked outside. Jack Shell was standing right there, the man that owns all of this land. He said, Preacher, I'm glad to finally meet you. He said, Let me tell you something. I need to give you all some land. <laughs> he was listening, me and Brother Trey, and they're talking. <laughs> no, he wasn't. God was working it out. God was working it out. And I was sitting there, Brother Trey, we ain't got room to do this. We ain't got room to do that. God said, okay, I got you. Let me open this door. Boom. The hand of God is working. Hand of God is working. Everywhere we look, we see the hand of the Lord working. Don't ignore the hand of God in the work that we're doing. Recognize when He's blessing. Recognize what He's done. Understand that when He's blessing it, He's wanting it. Okay? When He's working it out and He's opening doors, that means He wants it. Now, if He shuts a door in our face, then let's stop. Hello? If He slams that door, then let's stop. But child of God, the doors are opening. And that's exactly what He began to tell the people. God is blessing. God is blessing. Notice, notice what He said. 
as also the king's word that he has spoken unto me. Listen, all, all Nehemiah needed was God. But he said, hey, by the way, I got the king of all the empire behind us too. Okay? I loved how he put God first in that. He said, oh, by the way, I got material help. I got physical help. The king's behind us. He's going to help us get this done. Now notice what he said. Down at the bottom, verse 18. And they said, let us rise up and build. They immediately, when they heard, they knew this was the hand of God. And they said, let's get up and let's go. And let's build and let's do what God has called us to do. Now here it is. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Why do you need strength for the work of the Lord? Because the devil's attacking. And he's seeking to devour And if you don't get strong before you get up to go to work for the Lord, you're not going to be working very long. This prosperity gospel brings this, a bunch of defeated Christians. When you say, man, when you get saved, you'll be a millionaire. I've been saved since I was 13. I'm not a millionaire yet. But I got God behind me. And let me tell you something. When you get saved, it's not all roses. I wish I could tell you that. There's tough times. But let me tell you something. We've got God behind us. And we've got a strength and we've got a power that comes from another world. And instead of walking around this world being defeated and telling why we can't do God's will, let's just get behind the one who can do it all, the one who owns it all, the one who knows it all. Hello? <laughs> if God's behind it, let's get behind it. Anything in our life, let's get behind. And it says that it's strengthened. How do we strengthen our hands for the work? That comes from our relationship with the Lord. How do we get closer with God? You get more in the Bible. How how, how do we get closer with God? We pray more. We ask God more and more. God bless. God bless. God bless. Let me tell you something. We need to strengthen our hands. We need to strengthen our hearts. There's a work to do, people. And we need strength. We need guidance. We need deliverance. Hello? We need the Lord's help. And this is what I love here. Let's strengthen our hands for this good work. God's work isn't boring. That's for sure, huh? It's not dull. It's not ridiculous. I said this the other day, and I mean it. Whoever says that you can't have fun and be saved at the same time, they're a liar. And they ain't never been a part of Promised Land Church. Hello? Man, I'm telling you, us here, we love to enjoy what we have in Jesus. Amen? It's all right to have fun in the Lord and enjoy what God is doing. But let me tell you what we got here. We don't just have a work. We have a good work. And what God is doing here is a good thing. And His work is good, and His will is good, and His plan is good. But when will we, as as Nehemiah, when will we step up as God's people and just fall on our face and say, God, here it is. I give it to you. Not my will, but Your will be done. The greatest example of this is my Savior, Jesus Christ. Went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he knew very well that he was fixing to take upon him the sins of humanity. He knew very well the scorn and the mock. He knew very well the nails. He knew the crown of thorns. And he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he drank that bitter cup. 
Man, aren't you glad he drank your cup that day? That was your cup and it was my cup to drink. And he said, Father, not your will, but my will. Child of God, would we get to the place? I'm not asking lost people to get in God's will. I'm asking lost people to be saved today. And I'm asking the saved to get inside of God's will. If you're not there, I ask you to fall on your face. If you're there, fall down and say, Lord, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my heart. Keep me going for this good work that we're doing. This is a good work. Preacher, we got people not behind it. we got people against it. we got people... Hey, I can take that as long as God's for it. Very one thing that we need to make sure of. That God is for it. I went to a conference about two or three years ago. How to be a good preacher. It ain't worked yet, but I'm trying. But they said, I want you to name three things of your negative as a pastor or preacher. And boy, I just, I mean, I wish it had been 30. I could have filled it out. They'll say three positive things about your ministry. And I can only fill out one. It took me a while to get this one. But there's one thing. That God's given me in this ministry that I love so dearly. Is I don't have to sit around and question God's will all the time. I got preacher brethren. Well I don't know if God wants me here. I don't know if God wants me here. And all the time they're battling and they're struggling with God's will. And when I went, when the Lord sent me to Texas for ten and a half years. I knew that's where God told me to go. And when trouble came, I didn't flinch. I didn't get discouraged. I didn't get down. I just kept on going because I knew it was God's will. And when you get into something and you have confidence that's God's will, friend, that's a blessing. And one of the greatest blessings that I've had in the ministry that God has given me, to Him be all honor and glory, is He's always given me that confidence and that boldness. And when I come here, I battled with it a little bit. And he finally showed me, that's where you need to go. I said, okay, I'm going. I hadn't questioned it one time because God knows what he's doing. Don't always accept it, may not always like it, but God knows what he's doing. We get down, we get low. I told you all a few weeks ago, y'all don't have to like me because it don't matter. You're not going to run me off. God put me here. And God will move me when he's done with me. I'm here. So God says go, I'm here. His will is all that matters. And when it comes to His will, I want me and my three children and my wife to be inside of His will. His will is all that matters. And we need to get some confidence and we need to get some boldness in the will of God. It's not good as a child of God to live in doubt and in fear. Let's get some, let's find some boldness in His will. Let's find out what it is this morning. Let's stand very quiet. Very reverent this morning. And as she plays, if you need to be saved, I want to encourage you to come be saved. These altars are going to be open. I want you to come to these altars and pray. We need some Nehemiahs to fall down day and night and pray for the will of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to join the church. Maybe you need to come for baptism. Would you come this morning? Would you come? Would you be the Nehemiah to just fall on your face and say, God help God, give me strength. God, give me guidance. Would you come this morning?